0: I have an issue when people have personal things going on with their family, and people think that that's a fireable offense. So him going out
1: and trying to soothe himself, but to say that one incident itself is a fireable offense, it is not. It's embarrassing, it reeks of hypocrisy. He needed to be called out on it, but that one incident is not a
2: fireable offense.
3: The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. You know,
1: something we didn't get to just a couple minutes ago with uh, Dustin DeHart. Uh, he and our buddy Justin, Dustin and Justin, um, they're, they're both getting into sports betting, Justin a little sooner than Dustin. And I'm on the road this weekend. Right, covering UNLV in San Antonio and Dustin texts me he's like he's like uh he's like Rutgers today plus the points and I was like no 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 and he was like oh I should have texted you before I put him in a parlay I was like oh god yeah wasn't their best effort it was not their best effort when you're getting 15 and you're down 45 six at the half doesn't give you much of a shot no so and I was I was gonna joke his buddy John was in here John is from New Jersey, pretty close to where I grew up. And I think John was feeding him a little bit on that Rutgers-Ohio State game. (laughs) uh, When I see – we're out at Nova Home Loans at their studios here, and I'll have to mention to John, like, just lean on me. I may tell you don't play it
0: at all, but I I wasn't feeling it this week against Ohio State. It was also – Ohio State was looking for an opportunity to get healthy. Exactly. And they found
1: it. I'm telling you, people who gave up on Ohio State – and Michigan may be able to beat them with – Ball control, but the problem with Ohio State in the Big Ten is, like always, they're the fastest, most explosive team. So you can play great, Adam, for like virtually every, every, whatever you know, sixty plays on defense, right? Fifty six, but there's another four where it's Olave or their freshman running back, and all of a sudden it's like you know, twenty yard pass, freaking screen out of the backfield, goes eighty yards, goes fifty yards, goes forty yards. That's why they're so tough to defend. I, their defense, I don't
0: think, is good. No, Rutgers laid an egg, but uh, yeah, Ohio State's explosive. Yeah, I mean, it's some, some of those programs like the talent is still there, uh, even though it's Absolutely. even though if it's not if it's not coming together, they haven't put it together yet, and oftentimes it is just waiting for that opportunity for, okay, we've finally got somebody we can blow out. We want to take our frustrations out like, on the season. Like if that. I had a
1: look a headline on Saturday morning before Ohio State played, and right after Iowa destroyed Maryland, and it was you know hey. I don't I don't know if they play in the regular season. Big Ten championships, say it's Ohio State and Iowa. I think you'd get a nice line right now because of perception. Right? Iowa's a top five team. Yeah. Are they really? They're no. a great defense. No, they're not. But again, I if they meet up in the Big Ten title game, Iowa could play unbelievable defense outside of four plays and give up four touchdowns on those four plays. God, the rankings are so stupid. Man. Oh, they're it's it's so dumb. Michi-
0: are Michigan. Are you gonna do Michigan. this again? No. You just No Exactly was not yelling ranked.
1: and then Ari rubbed it in by making it into a promo about how you get sucked in on this. I didn't mention rankings, well I kind of did. Yeah, I said I was five. a top 5 team.
0: But I did like I don't I haven't looked. <laughs> I think Michigan's probably in the top 10. I, Stop. I have no idea. Stop. I, and I'm a Michigan fan. Stop. They're not there yet. They might be by the end of the year. They're not there yet. Just cuz there's a silly zero next to their name. Look at the sport it's all you need to know. Nebraska stinks, right? They're awful. Michigan's a top 10 team. What's the line, 30?
1: It's three. Yeah. I also don't think Nebraska stinks. I do. All that stuff. All that stuff in the first game when people were like, just Adrian Martinez, is terrible. It's one game. It's 30th season. Freaking overreaction. Just completely out of control. All right, we're about 10 minutes away from talking to Miles Simmons, our NFL insider from Pro Football Talk. Let's do a little frenzy. (laughs) Uh, You heard Stephen A. on the way back talking about Urban Meyer. Uh, I saw that. Was Stephen A. at the game last night? Got up on the big screen? Yeah. How'd that go for him? Not good.
0: <laughs> like, said, the- that's
1: where That was the one thing Chargers and uh, Raiders fans outside of the delay of the game, that was the
0: one thing they could agree on because that place just exploded with booze. You're just quoting my tweet? Is that what you said? Literally my tweet. For the first time in years, Chargers and Raiders fans came together. I didn't say it. I don't see every it's one of your boo, tweets.
1: Steven Stephen A. Smith. Yes, there you go. Yes. I ruined your uh, oh. rehashing of it. Nice, nice line. Very nice. Yeah, If only we had a rim shot. I thought ah. so when I used it yesterday. <laughs>
0: Michael Irvin on the rim shot. I love it, love it. All right, Herb. Hold hold on, sorry. Can I also say, uh, yesterday a couple of times I tweeted something, and then I I have somebody I'm in group text with who like is not very funny, and like on two occasions they sent the same text that I tweeted, and I was like, they stole it. No. Oh, you're saying i I must not have had a good line Uh because that person also used it. (laughs) I'm not referring about to you, by the way. Not.
1: Uh, We don't text, really. Uh, Urban Meyer, because that's what Stephen A. was talking about in the rejoin, and Stephen A. wasn't really making much sense. Um, I I said yesterday, you know, in the end, uh, this is between, one, Urban Meyer and his family, and, two, his employer. It depends on what your employer's standards are. It also depends on what your family's standards are. You know what? Shelly could be like, do what you want. You know what? This is what I signed up for. If you want to – I love the word. I don't know why I haven't used it more. If you want to canoodle with 30-year-old blondes, Go ahead and do it. That might be their arrangement. Is he 30? I, I couldn't tell. All I saw was the back of her head, like, and I saw him humping her leg. I was going, like, 24. Um, that's between Shelly, the wife, and Herb. And then, like, for all I know, Shaq Khan could be like, yeah, bro, all I do is doink. Now, it looks like he, that might be what he does. I have no idea. But publicly, Shaq Khan came out, and he's like, this is unacceptable.
0: No, And, that, and, so- then, and then
1: Herb's – what Urban Meyer has done and said since – This may not have been a big story until we find out more about the fact that he was on this kind of side road trip. He didn't travel back with the team. He's like, I own it. I'm going to own this. And then everyone's like, he canceled his chance on Monday to meet with the team. Like, you're not owning it, dude. No. This is – I know you want to go off on him, and I wanted to defend him a little bit because there's nuance in the stuff. Uh, But he's doing what Urban
0: Meyer does, which is – Low character stuff. Yeah, he's a low character person. Uh, I, I have a friend who doesn't follow sports very closely who texted me and said, hey, help me out here. Why is Urban Meyer such a big deal? Like he's, who cares? He's trying to get a side piece when he has a wife. Why is that our business? Has nothing to do with this story. Like Urban Meyer potentially out trying to get action on the side has nothing to do with this story. It's the fact that he did not fly home with the team. He stayed in Ohio. And he told his employer and his players, by the way, I need to stay in Ohio. My grandkids are here. I haven't seen them in a while. I have to go spend some time with them. You guys go back to Jacksonville. I'll see you on Monday morning for meetings. And then he's on video in this bar. like That's time with your grandkids. And again, maybe that's just between them. And
1: then he's hanging out with uh, – I'm assuming the Schottenstein family is like a giant benefactor to Ohio State. Isn't the – Schottenstein uh, Center. Is right, the, the, the arena, arena, right. So whatever. One of the kids is hanging out with him, and then you see him with the chick. But um, also – like, But you're right. So, again, I, I hate jumping to conclusions in these cases, but uh, just coming up with like weak excuses to not be with your team, and then you, that's not why you went home.
0: Well – it's well, that's not why you went to it's Ohio. also completely a side note um were those advances welcome by the way because there's another girl who's put out a, a, a snapchat who's like this dude is creeping on me who is he
1: oh I th- you know what's funny i thought it was the same lady that he was rubbing up on
0: i think it was, it was a different one there's okay. two, there's two I girls know, but i um and then urban meyer says you know the video's embarrassing right he's like but you know what was happening is i was at my place and Everybody's trying to drag me on the dance floor. Right. And I don't want to go up there. And so what happens? Another video comes out where he is on the dance floor. I don't know what word I can use. Uh, digitally manipulating. I don't know if that's that serious. He was definitely goosing her. Sure. Okay. A little goose, uh, a little, goose a little hump of the leg. Sure. So, okay, you're going to change your story now? Because that's it doesn't look like somebody's pulling you up on the dance floor, bro. And then the, the tweets came out today. And again, you know... People can say what they want about, you know, anonymous sources, that sort of thing. But that's how you get real stories. Uh, The Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point in the locker room. One player said he has zero credibility in this stadium. He had very little to begin with. Players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over videos of him and a young woman getting cozy at an Ohio bar. He even canceled the team meeting. He was too scared to face us. Uh, instead, Meyer, quote, only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the videos as a random person who was, quote, just there dancing. Suffice it to say, the audience was highly skeptical. Said one player, we looked at him like WTF. Right when he left, everyone started dying laughing and he knew it. He's a laughing stock around there. And by the way, not uh, in the final, final quote, it's bad. I don't know how he's going to function. Like, he has lost the locker room. And this is not the first instance. Say what you want. The Tebow situation destroyed that locker room. Nobody wanted him there. Nobody knew why he was there. That was crazy. And don't forget, oh, coach gets fired for being racist at Iowa? We'll take him. The players immediately got backlash there when he he had to get fired right away.
3: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling
0: 577-2600.
3: Now, back to Cofield and Company.
1: You know, the locker room here is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I mean, you can't see anybody. It's like a maze. Whoever contorted this visiting locker room, I'd like to meet this guy and see what his um, what his idea was. Interesting moment. Miles Simmons in the background laughing. He's familiar with SoFi, but maybe not with the visitor locker room. He's the PFT NFL insider. Miles, all right. Uh, Gruden Gruden was not happy about a lot of things last night. Had a chance to vent about the, uh, the visitor locker room. Have you heard anything about this disaster that is the visitor locker room?
2: Okay, no, but I do know that there are a lot of things that just don't really make sense about SoFi Stadium, especially <laughs> for it being a brand new place that costs upwards of five billion dollars. One of which is the elevator situation. Why are the elevators so slow if this is a state-of-the-art stadium? Um, but I think what, what's kind of funny about you know the visitors' locker room and Gruden complaining about that is. At the Coliseum, at the L.A. Coliseum, when the Raiders played there, Al Davis had that thing renovated so that all of the lockers basically went almost up to the ceiling, and it was just an absolute maze in there, too. So like, it's just funny that you know now the Raiders coach is complaining about a visitor's locker room when the Raiders owner made a visitor's locker room completely inconvenient for opponents in the past
1: let's talk about the uh, the game sort of the the angles from the game that were not necessarily on the field first and then get into the game uh the taunting call on darren waller Ugh
2: oh, i thought that was awful like i really did and you know i understand that the rule is the rule and the rule has been the rule for a while and we've been talking about this as a point of emphasis and i think like, the, the Twitter discourse has been, why is this a new taunting rule? Blah, blah, blah. And it's not really a new taunting rule, right? It, it's just a point of emphasis. And so that's why you've seen more, whole, uh, excuse me, more taunting calls this season. But I thought, for the most part, over the last couple of weeks, after the first couple of weeks, kind of like I expected, it hasn't been as bad. Because I don't think the NFL wants this to be a talking point. But... When you've got a player who is literally just showing his excitement and he happens to be on the opposite sideline and he spikes the ball down at the ground, right? He's taunting the ground. Like it's not like he was doing anything directed at an opponent and taunting is supposed to be directed at an opponent. So I don't understand how that could possibly be taunting. And I thought it was ridiculous when it got called. And I said so on Twitter and, and the explanation, if there is one, it's probably even more ridiculous.
0: I mean, I, I, I hate the rule as much as anybody. I think it's stupid. But at the same time, my bigger issue is always consistency. If that's taunting,
2: Darren Waller should have been kicked out of that game six times last night. Right. Why is that yes. the one that gets called? I don't know. I, I have no idea, especially because I think Gruden said this. It was basically the first big play that the Raiders had had over the course yes. of the entire game. So of course he's excited about finally getting something going. And again, he wasn't directing anything at an opponent. He was just basically flexing because like, yeah, he made a big play and he's one of the best tight ends in the league. And finally he makes a play. And it wasn't just that, you know, there were instances where the chargers spike the ball at the ground and it's like, okay, well, if Darren Waller's, was taunting then so was that totally agree. we gotta be consistent with this and that's the
1: biggest problem miles that that's the biggest problem I think it is stupid I thought the flag on Waller was dumb but hey we started this so let's do it you know the great thing is Darren Waller caught one it's one thing to score a touchdown and spike it he caught another one in the middle of the field uh inside the 10 and he spiked it I'm like he's got to get taunting and get ejected now that sounds stupid but am I right on the rule if you get a second taunting don't you get ejected yeah why was he in the game
2: I don't know. Now,
1: that would have been absurd, but if you're going to call it, then you have to be consistent. I said it after week one the league has got to go to the officials and and go stop calling this. You guys don't know what you're doing. Subjective rulings by you are very dangerous. Sorry, we got to take this out of your hands.
2: Right. Well, yes. And frankly, I don't know if that's really, really what happened, but. You, so we've seen way fewer taunting calls over the course of the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks after the first two weeks where it was just ridiculous the amount of things that were being called. And so I guess with the baseball playoffs on my mind tonight, it's kind of like when an umpire's calling balls and strikes, right? You know, if you got something that looks like it's outside the plate, but they've been calling it that way all night, then the batter knows you have to swing. Right? If you have something that's taunting and it's taunting at one place and it's not, you know, two plays later, five plays later, a quarter later, then that's really what the problem is. It's got to be consistent. And so if the rule is and the point of emphasis is do not direct things at the opponent, then first of all, what Darren Waller did was not taunting. Right, And mm-hmm. so if we're going to call that then that's a problem in the first place. But if it's going to be called, like you said, it's got to be consistent through everybody. And basically everybody, whoever celebrates everything, should have to be thrown out of the game. And that's not what they want, so they can't do things like that with Darren Waller.
1: Al Simmons. PFT, ProFootballTalk.com. Ari had a question, but I'll relay it for him. He said, was last night's loss about the Chargers and Herbert playing really well or the Raiders playing
2: poorly? Oh, I, you know, the one thing that just stood out to me was that the Chargers defense completely confused the Raiders offense and it was like it was like there were very few plays that the Raiders made that were kind of on schedule plays especially in the first half when they had more penalty yards than they had total yards of offense um, and in the second half obviously things got going a little bit you saw that deep ball to Ruggs which I know I always tend to say like not nice things about Henry Ruggs but here's <laughs> me publicly saying something nice about Henry Ruggs like the way he tracked that deep ball uh, that was really really good stuff and he starting to look, I think, like the first-round pick that they wanted him to be. Um, But, you know, that that touchdown that Darren Waller had before he spiked the ball again and ostensibly should have gotten ejected, like that was more of an off-schedule play. And Derek Carr had to make a lot of those off-schedule throws because – that defense of the Chargers just really, really gave them fits. So, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a combination of both. It was interesting just being in the stands uh, um, as a fan for that game last night and hearing what the atmosphere was really was electric in that building. It seemed about 60% Raider fans to me. I don't know if you disagree, Adam, and about 40% Charger fans. But from that standpoint, you know, the Chargers had to go silent count from their first snap, which is a bit embarrassing when you're in your home stadium, especially when it's, you know, only I think the second time that they've had fans at that brand new building. Um, And that offense played pretty well. Uh, I thought the Raiders definitely did better things in the second half. But, you know, you got to give Brandon Staley credit for going for it on fourth down the way he did. Um, finding Jared Cook for uh, Justin Herbert the way that he did, you know, it's a little bit of a revenge game for him, I guess. So there were a lot of different elements in it, but to me the biggest thing was the Raiders just couldn't solve that defense um, enough uh, throughout the course of the game.
0: Yeah, just going back to the premise of that question, I I mean, I haven't watched it back yet. Uh, That usually happens uh, later in the week, but was Herbert really that good?
2: I thought he was average at best. I I mean, I wouldn't say he was average average at best and another i think there were a couple and i haven't watched it back either yet adam so i, I think there were a, a couple times maybe where he overthrew a couple guys um and he missed some open guys but look he made the throws that he needed to make when he needed to make them right i mean that fourth and two throw to jared cook um on the left side where denzel perryman i thought was right there i mean it, it yeah. just was a perfect throw and it was, it was a perfect catch, catch. yeah, yeah it, catch. so you know those things that's what you need out of your quarterback right you the quarterback's got to be at his best when his best is required that's what Sean McVay loves to say and so Justin Herbert made the plays Derek Carr threw it to Derwin James and that's kind of the end of it
0: well I mean the uh, and you know not to it, not one play is not the whole game but when no. Mike Williams runs a route like that and basically embarrasses Damon Arnett on the field you've got to make right. that throw you have yes
2: to. exactly yes you do you do. I agree. From
0: uh, from
1: PFF, Herbert was nearly perfect huh? against the Vegas injury batter defense. He did take multiple sacks and missed some throws, including the Mike Williams uh, streaking for a would-be touchdown, but the mistakes were few and far between. He completed 25 of 38, 222, three touchdowns. Said it should be a 90-plus PFF grade after reviews, so maybe they'll come back and find some other stuff that they they didn't like so much. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I
2: PFF they... grades, meh. I mean, come on. Like, oh, can... look at oh, this. Boy. I know. I, Blasphemy like, look, on the
1: show. Blasphemy. I,
2: I'm sorry, but, like, there are some times where it just <laughs> what they say, they don't make any sense to me. And, like, I know that, like, PFF is important, and, like, th- there's no other real metric to um, grade offensive linemen. But a lot of the time, we don't know most of the time, 95% of the time pretty much as analysts, we don't know what play is being called. We don't know what the assignments are. And so, to me, it's hard to really grade what exactly we're um, what we're seeing, you know. So I I understand, like, I I get the utility of what it is, but especially quarterback play, sometimes they come back with grades that just don't match what I see with my eyes.
1: If you're the Raiders, do you want a game plan and face Andy Dalton next week or Justin Fields?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think there's more um, knowns with Andy Dalton because he's been in the league for a longer time so gus bradley has more familiarity with him um so you're game planning against that and there's more unknowns with justin fields um and just the simple fact of the way he plays look that offensive line got bruised and battered and beat to hell against the cleveland browns um a couple weeks ago and then they looked a lot better just generally everything did against the detroit lions Now. How much of that is, okay? they're going against a very good team in Cleveland versus a very bad team in Detroit. I mean, like that that's probably really part of it. Um, But I guess, you know, when you have a, a young QB who starts one game and then starts the next game and just like it's a polar opposite thing um if i'm gus bradley i would probably rather coach against the knowns that is andy dalton and the reputation that andy dalton has and you just you understand more about what he can do whereas with justin fields there's so many unknowns and there's the speed factor that comes into play where he can take it off and and run with it
1: a question from twitter on urban meyer and what's going on with jacksonville and his shenanigans why didn't the jaguars owner Shad Khan? pull the ripcord on urban meyer when given the opportunity that's not a listener it's actually andy staples who's in the media oh, i saw that what do you think what do you think should they have just ended this whole thing the last couple of days
2: no because that's going to cost you a lot of money and whether it's just from firing urban meyer and uh what his severance package would be or if you're saying you're firing him for cause then like, hey, what's really the cause? You know, like, is there really some type of morals clause that's violated by him dancing with a woman that is not his wife? Like, I don't really know the specifics of that, but if there is a dispute with that, then that's going to cost you a lot of money in lawyer fees because obviously Urban is going to sue for his full salary. Um, so I... <laughs> I, I, I would say it's more like um, – I read this from Charles Robinson because of Yahoo Sports because I, I've been reading a lot about this today because I'm fascinated by it, right? How can you not be? It's the coach – that's, you know, one of the best college coaches of this generation, and he's come in to the NFL and been kind of an unmitigated disaster. And so now, like, everything is getting worse. And I mean, unmitigated disaster has just been kind of on the field, not considering all the -the off-the-field stuff. And now you keep adding things that have come off the field, like hiring Chris Doyle. Like Why in the world would you do that in the first place? And then say, oh, well, we, we we figured he was a distraction and things are going too well right now. And that was in the spring. And so, you know, my boss, Mike Florio, made the point today. It's like, well, now you're the distraction, bro. So, like, what are you going to do about that to rectify that? Um, but anyway, Charles Robinson made the point that, like, this is not necessarily something that's going to get him fired. And it wouldn't necessarily be that way anyway. But the, the bigger point here is that he's basically tried to lie to the team and lie to the owner in some way, right? And he's done things that are just very, very out of character for an NFL head coach, one of which being not flying back with the team, right? Like every head coach flies back with the team and they watch film and then they do a press conference or conference call the next day with the media on Friday after a Thursday night game. And then you'd have the rest of the weekend to, I mean, if you're a head coach who's 0-4, and you know trying to get your first win in the nfl you probably would be watching film and spending a lot of time with your coaches and figuring out what you can do on the mini buy to try to get things right with a long weekend the next week and that does not seem to have happened and certainly everybody has the right to visit their grandchildren and i don't begrudge him for doing that but i mean having been on team planes for five years i don't I remember any instance where the head coach, whether it was Jeff Fisher or John Fossil for the couple of games that he was the Rams head coach in 2016 or Sean McVay ever like did not fly with the team back home. That's weird that, that just from that standpoint. And so when he's got to regain the trust of everybody, that's that's alarming when you've only coached four games. But I don't know that you want to fire him for that just because it's going to cost you a lot of money to get out from under that contract right now.
1: Miles, what's coming up the rest of the week for you on uh, Peacock TV?
2: Uh, well, I'm back on PFTPM tomorrow. It's going to be at 2 o'clock Pacific. So we will be talking all the headlines at quarterbacks talk on Wednesday. So things going on with Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sure that's going to come up. And also, we were just talking about Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. We will see what the health of those guys is tomorrow. We'll be talking about that on Peacock, the exclusive streaming home of The Office. <laughs>
1: All right, Miles, we I appreciate I give people a reason
2: to tune in besides me, yes. you know?
1: <laughs> hey, you're the reason. Florio, too. We'll see you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care.
1: See you later. 364-1100, 364-1100, one, one, zero, zero. caller 7. You want to go see a movie? James Bond movie? No Time to Die. We got tickets to the movie with uh, Daniel Craig and Rami Malek. It opens this Friday. 364-1100. Some movie tickets to go see No Time to Die, 364-1100. One, one,
3: zero, zero. Ari will hook you up. That Mortgage Tuned Up right now. 877 nova is the number to call at Nova Home Loans. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting. And there's Cadillac. Alright,
1: got some quick work done there. Quick work. We'll talk a little sports betting. Got some betting work done. Got down on the Red Sox tonight, plus 122. Cole and Evolvi. Sam Paniovic, who worked for Nessen We'll talk to him. He talked to a bunch of different sportsbook directors and has a skinny on what's going on for the uh, the AL qualifier, as we'll call it, wildcard qualifier. Win you're in. Lose out. So we'll see what happens with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And by the way, if you want to hear the game, it's over on uh, 1230. That's our fourth. Sports station here in town, 12.30 the game. That's coming up in just a little bit, Yankees and Red Sox. AL, wild card. A uh, Real quick, fat pack. I happen to notice a picture on the uh, internets, which I think a lot of people got offended at. I don't really understand the big deal. Uh, all it is is someone is behind a gentleman in a line at a convenience store. He's got, uh, looks like he's got the big gulp. And then he's got a Frank. And he's got a nice hot dog. He's got a nice hot dog. Hot dog and a roll. Looks like he's got a little relish on it. Um, it is a Jordan sent it out. And it says, oh, no, baby, what is you doing? Because the hot dog is actually not in the little paper holder or like even a napkin. Yeah. It is right on the counter.
0: What are those things called? Like It's like a doily, but doilies are circular. I feel like, like, a, like a hot dog tray or a hot dog boat. A boat. That sounds about right. Um, I never really looked at
1: the name. I think you can add uh, at the warehouse stores in town if you want to buy like four thousand of those. You know, you could just have hot dog boats in yeah, your house. Think, Every time you eat a hot dog, you could have that for life.
0: And I was thinking more of the paper ones, but I, I feel like Seven Eleven has like the strong, sturdy ones. Uh, they actually do, not not
1: yeah. like the kind of the flimsy, uh, almost like a coffee filter. Well, because if
0: you're getting a, a hot dog there, you got to go,
1: you got to go chili and cheese. And this one was not a messy dog, but the person just decided to bring it up with their hand, uh, lay it right on the counter. Um, I mean, what I eat that? I mean, I don't see convenience store people often wipe down the, the, the what's in front of them. No, um, I'll also say and I'm not mocking on people who have skin conditions. Uh, it does look like the guy's right arm is just a nightmare of itchiness. It wasn't when he came in. <laughs> that just happened right <laughs> then. <laughs> yeah, or it's happened recently because he keeps putting a hot dog on the counter no, just without for, right in the three. It minutes happens that quick.
0: Three minutes he's in the store. You don't touch those things directly. You put them right into the boat. If I gave
1: you ten bucks, would you eat that hot dog after it's been in his hand and then placed right on the counter with nothing underneath it? Can
0: I go no bun? Ooh, that's interesting. Would you? It looks like he's got a Coke. Would you dip it in the Coke to uh, disinfect it? I mean, if I was going to listen, if I was going to go all in, just eat whatever. Yeah. At Seven Eleven, first of all, I'm going those like the giant taquito things. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> good. That's that's happening. I know. Those are great. They've got me in the past. The pizza? Awesome. Oh, really? You're on board now with the pizza? Sure. Okay. Um, The hot dogs, I think, are – it's a visual, you know, let's analyze. Not all 7-Elevens are created equal. No, they're not. No. And some of them take a lot of pride and really – you know, really they really do. Others do. Others, back. and this is
1: not no knock on them. It's it's a lot of different convenience stores. Uh, there are some places that don't take a whole lot of
0: pride in what they've they've so, got out there. And I'll say, sometimes you go in there, you look, and you're like, that looks like a good dog. Other times, <laughs>
1: the kind of dog that you do <laughs> just lay on the counter. What's the difference?
0: Yeah, I don't think you're going to harm it.
1: Let's uh, put it on the harm counter. It. Let's send this out on ESPN Las Vegas. People can judge this picture. Guy buying a hot dog at a convenience store, just laying the uh, hot dog and bun right on the counter. I
0: don't think there's enough stuff on
1: it. Uh, not enough toppings at all. Yeah. But when you're, you know, when you're carrying it with your bare hand and no napkin, I don't think you want to overload it. I mean,
0: well, then, you, I mean, in that case, just get the boat, put it in there, throw some stuff on it.
1: Let's find out what's going on in terms of betting with the Yankees and Red Sox. And also, uh, anyone who has a 39-1 to 1 Heisman, Matt Corral
3: ticket, how they're feeling right now. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Money, why, why money, why, why. It's Cofield & Company's Eye on Sports Betting, betting. with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, AO AL wildcard game is coming up.
1: Guy who knows all about it because he's on the scene. Close to it. Uh, from Nessen, our gambling expert on Tuesday, Sam Paniotovich, Red Sox and Yankees. All right, what do we got here?
4: I passed up Fenway to talk to you guys. What a mistake hey, what on doing? my end, huh? Right, what are you doing? That's a terrible mistake. What are you doing? No, I'm kidding. I'm still working, man. I'm getting ready. Yeah. These numbers, as you know, Steve, they are moving uh, for the next 20 minutes here. It's mostly been Yankee money all day. This thing actually opened up yesterday, minus 115. That was the first number I saw, Yankees minus 115, and it felt a little bit low because you knew that the Yankees were going to take a lot of money and a lot of handle. Highest number in the world right now, minus 140 on the Yankees. So it's moved 25 cents in about, I don't know, 24 hours, give or take. And um, I haven't found one sportsbook in the country that's rooting for the Yankees tonight. Everybody needs the Red Sox everywhere.
1: Well, you know what that means. I bet the Red Sox five minutes ago, plus plus 122.
4: I'll say this, just because everybody's on the Yankees doesn't mean the Red Sox are going to win. We all understand that, but I think if you're doing this from a mathematical angle, this game should be minus 110 each way. It should be a coin flip, and I talked to Dave Sharapin today uh, for a story on Nesson, and I love this quote. He says it's a 50-50 baseball game that'll have a 70-30 ticket split. (laughs) And that's that's the reality. It should be minus 110 each way. You never, ever see a one-game playoff in Major League Baseball when the home team is a dog. So I I like your math. I think this should be minus 110 on the Red Sox. The fact that you got plus 120, plus 125, it makes me happy because I feel like you have the value, but that doesn't mean, of course, that it's going to win.
1: Well, I mean, some of the math also comes down to the fact that uh, Garrett Cole has been leaking oil down the stretch. He's given up, uh, what, 15 earned in his last 17 and two-thirds. He just was not as dominant as he was at different periods of season. So and I'm not sure that Evaldi lasts very far into the game, and then all of a sudden we're talking bullpens, and, uh, you know, we've gone on and on about the value. But, you know, if I'm getting some extra money here, then, then I'm going to go with the Red Sox. Believe me, I'm not rooting for my bet to win. That sounds weird. I'm a Yankees fan, but I'm going to bet with my head and not my heart. Now, last week... Uh, Sorry, man, I bet against you and Matt Corral. I went with Bama first half minus eight and a half. Um, I love Lane Kiffin and the trash talk, but boy, oh, boy, he was playing a dangerous game with Saban, who came out and sent a freaking message early.
4: They really did. It felt like I lost that bet on the first drive of the game, if that makes any sense, (laughs) because Ole Miss, they're going for it. They're aggressive. They converted a couple fourth downs. I'm like, all right, get in the end zone here. 7-0, Seven nothing, bang! I'm feeling good. When they stonewalled Ole Miss at the five or six yard line, I honestly I thought it was 35 to nothing right then and there. And we got pretty close. <laughs> it got to 28 nothing, and then eventually it was 35 to nothing. That team is just a freaking a railroad, man. I mean, it, when you really think about the landscape of college football, and I talk to these power rating guys, these lines, these uh, odds maker guys all the time, it's really Alabama then maybe a couple points down in Georgia, and then about 14 points down to Iowa right now. That's where we're at in college football. I mean, that's what the numbers say. Um, A lot of these teams that I think people were hoping were good, like Ohio State and Oklahoma and Oregon, they're just nowhere near the class of the two best teams in the country. It's Alabama, it's Georgia, and then there's a two-touchdown drop to everybody else.
1: A lot of games left to play. I believe that both Georgia and Alabama will lose before the end of the regular season, and one of the losses could be against each other. I wonder – I haven't asked around. I have no idea if you've asked around. I wonder if we if we get the SEC title game with these two teams, what the spread would be, because I'm taking Georgia. Um, would I lay points with Georgia? I mean, I'd prefer not to. You know, if you're saying the, the power rating has Alabama ahead, but I, I think – I've said since the summer I think Georgia is the better team. But I wonder what the spread would be right now. Like what would what would you be willing to lay with Alabama against Georgia?
4: It's a really good question. Depending on who you ask, the numbers anywhere from 2 to 4. So okay. if you take the middle of that, you're talking Alabama minus 3 on a neutral. I would probably take Georgia though at plus 3. If you move it to Alabama minus two and a half, I'd probably take Alabama. So it really depends on what these bookmakers think the public will do. And I I think you'd probably just open it Alabama three and see where that first bet comes. Um, You probably want to write the first bet on Alabama. So, yeah, I think Crimson Tide minus three makes sense. Um, This could all fluctuate, of course, over the next couple of weeks or months. Georgia's defense is loaded, man. They've got an NFL player at every single level they probably have two or three guys on the front that are going to play on Sunday very, very soon. And the depth, the offensive line, uh, the skill position players. And how about this? JT Daniels doesn't even play in the game. It's Stetson yeah. Bennett. He comes in. It doesn't even matter. Um, we talked about that game on the show last week. I said, look, I made the game 24. It was 37-0. Um, Arkansas is a good team. Georgia's a great team. But to answer your question long way around the path here, I would guess Alabama would open minus three on a neutral against Georgia.
1: Is Iowa getting disrespected only laying two and a half at home against Penn State?
4: This is a weird line. It opens short of three, which made me a little nervous. And now we're seeing some books in the islands at minus one on Iowa. And it's not like, you know, these books are in the business of giving it away. If you know what I mean, there's a lot of support for Penn State. The total in this game is fascinating too. 41. 41-and-a-half, depending on where you look, I wouldn't bet the over in that game. I don't think either offense is going to move the ball all that well. This could be one of those 1970s Big Ten games where it's literally 17-14 to 14 final. I don't think this number's right, though. I, I, Iowa at home with that defense, they should be three, 3 and a half here. So I'm a little perplexed by the line opening sub-3 and continuing to move down. I also like Kirk Ferentz over James Franklin in crutch time. That's just, that's the reality.
1: Should Ohio State be laying, say, four touchdowns instead of three against Maryland?
4: Yeah, I think 24, 24 and a half was probably a number that that I was willing to lay up to. Um, This thing opened just shy of 21. It got laid up, uh, as most Ohio State games do. But did you watch Ohio State against Rutgers? Holy cow. I mean, that's not even fun for the opposition there. Um, Once Ohio State finds it, They usually don't lose that rhythm, and I don't know that Maryland, can they recover from that ass-whooping on Friday night? I know it's just one game, but, man, they were talking about upsetting Iowa and and sneaking into the top 20, and they got pounded in that game, and it doesn't get much easier. It's a different style of football because Iowa's going to try and hold you to 17. Ohio State's going to try and drop – 50 points on maryland and they might very well get there man they could easily put 50 on maryland
1: there's another football in the nfl who wants seattle plus two and a half against the rams
4: (sighs) it's a tough spot both ways (laughs) Both yeah 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 i mean you'd love to take the home dog here but the rams off a loss are dangerous mcveigh usually very good at correcting what they did wrong um, I'd probably go over, honestly, if anything. This could be thirty to 27, 33 to thirty. I don't think we'll see a lot of stops in this game. Seattle's defense is not good. They they got gashed again. Four games in a row, Steve, where Seattle's given up four hundred yards plus. That's a lot of yardage. Thing is, San Fran had a couple bad turnovers. That's why Seattle won. I don't think we'll see many stops on Thursday night.
1: I was going to say based on what you saw last night, but I that's that's kind of uh, silly when it comes to the Raiders. They've been playing well. They didn't have a great game last night. But anyway, uh, Raiders are five and a half against the Bears, and we still don't know who's officially playing QB for the Bears. What do you do with this game?
4: Doesn't matter who's quarterbacking. It matters who's coaching. I'd lay 10 with the Raiders. I don't care. Oh, the, Bear, really? the Bears stink, man. They're awful. And <laughs> let me tell you, I have played the Bears twice this year in contests, 2-0, and because I take them against bad teams, and then I run away from them when they play a good or a great team. I'd put Vegas in a good category. Chicago is mediocre average. They've beaten the Lions and the Bengals. Whoop-de-frickin'-do. It doesn't matter. Vegas, they're not going to stop Vegas. That Chicago secondary is very weak, and if Vegas can get any pass rush, Detroit couldn't do it, Cincy couldn't do it, if they can get a pass rush on the Bears – this game won't be close.
1: Are you a Cardinals buyer at five and a half against the Niners?
4: <laughs> this number before the season was two and a half, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's the other side or pass. Um, well, you know I'm a little bullish on San Fran from the jump. Anyway, I got him to win the division and to win the conference, so maybe there's a little bit of bias on my angle. But I think with a full a full week of Trey Lance preparing with Kyle Shanahan, that's a big deal. And you're going to see some things in that offense that you haven't seen with Garoppolo, but I need Lance to protect the football. And if he can stretch the field and make things move with his legs, that number is way too high. This is a field goal game either way. This game's always a field goal game, I feel like. So the fact that we've moved it from minus two and a half uh, to five and a half just in a couple weeks of football – that seems like an overreaction. And how many teams of the NFL go five and zero out of the gate? It's hard to go five and zero in the NFL. Let's also not forget Arizona. At two points of the season, were down double figures. They were down big to Minnesota and down big to Jacksonville. So I, I don't. I don't want to lay big numbers with Arizona.
1: By the way, how about the appearance? I think this was for you, right, Sammy P on uh, ESPN Game Day. The oh. sign in the background. <laughs>
4: Yeah, we'll go with that. Let's ignore that. Uh, Sam, Sam Pittman is the head coach of Arkansas. We'll, we'll ignore that detail. Yeah, but well. I did. I got that text from a couple people like, dude, who do you nut no. on in Arkansas? Everybody. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, <laughs> I also don't know if they're still loving Sammy P after they didn't exactly. put up any points against Georgia. But I'm glad to see that you saw that, too, because that was a pretty was nice, uh, pretty nice glow up for the uh, for the brand. It was a good pop, uh, record numbers this week for Chicken Dinner podcast at Chicken X Dinner up
1: on Twitter. Sam, we appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight.
4: Hey, tell Adam Hill it was good to hear him chuckle in the background. I always appreciate it. You're funny. You're a funny guy. Sam. Yes, yes.
1: I dominate. I dominated. I took over the conversation. That's my fault. See you, Sam.
4: What else is new? See ya.
1: <laughs> Coming up, we got to get into uh, more on the Raiders game against the Chargers. There were some positives. Losing sucks, but Hunter Renfro was certainly a star in many ways in the game.
3: Gofield got his mortgage tuned up. You should too. Call 877-700-NOVA now to lower your interest rate and lower your payments.